0: This short sermon is taken from the text Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11. On the way, they, the wise men, saw the same star they had seen in the east. When they saw it, how happy they were! What joy was theirs! It went ahead of them until it stopped over the the place where the child was. They went into the house. And when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and presented them to him. So what gifts shall we bring? One of the favorite images of Christmas is that of the wise men traveling by camel through a star-lit night. One star dominates the sky as they arrive on the crest of the hill, overlooking Bethlehem. The journey is almost over. It's been a long trip from a country far away in the east. There have been dangers along the way, and now they are at the town of Jesus' birth. There is just a few hundred metres to go. Excuse me. The wise men look down from the star in the sky till the building lying below its light. And this is where they find the newborn king of the Jews that they had read about in the scriptures. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. This picture of the wise men is a very popular one on Christmas cards. And in our nativity scenes and Christmas plays, we place the wise men around the manger with the shepherds who have come to the stable to see the baby. I'm sure most of you are aware of the facts that these wise men don't really belong to the manger scene. They are a number of indications that suggest that they arrived quite some time after Jesus' birth in the stable. Jesus is no longer referred to as a baby and the wise men found the family in a house. Some have suggested that Jesus may have been one to two years old because Herod, I'd ordered the slaughter of all boys under two. Don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with them being there with the shepherds in the stable. All we're doing is narrowing the actual time span events and incorporating Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus, the shepherds and wise men, into some scene. I'm glad that the story of the wise men is told apart from actual celebrations of Christmas when we focus on Jesus' birth, the choir of angels and the shepherds. The arrival of the wise men has been traditionally part of Epiphany, which is normally celebrated on the 6th of January, which of course is 12 days after Christmas. There's, there's like many, that, that sorry, there are not many like that. What were their names? Where had they come from exactly? How far had they traveled following that star? We do know they studied the stars and were familiar with the Hebrew pictures, but Matthew didn't give us too many other details. One of the facts that Matthew does give us is that the wise men came with special gifts for the newborn king. The gospel writer tells us they went into the house And when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and presented them to him. Gold, frankincense and myrrh, what strange gifts for a new baby. A woman commenting on these gifts suggested that these men weren't all that wise after all. If the eastern visitor had been a wise woman, the baby would have received sensible gifts. Baby food, nappies, clothes to replace the swaddling bands, bunny rags, and even a proper baby's crib. Not a useless bunch of gold and two bottles of perfume. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. Some speculate that these gifts were the... principal items to be used in the wizardry and magic that wise men from the East dabbled in. So in giving the Christ child gold, frankincense and myrrh, they were handing over their tools of trade. They were demonstrating that they were no longer pagan, dabblers in magic. They were letting go of the past because they had found a new guiding star, The Christ child. Others have reason that these gifts are symbols of who the baby was. Gold is a gift for kings. It represents power and wealth. This child Jesus is royal and kingly. Frankincense, because this baby is God, come to earth. Myrrh was used in embalming the dead. It indicated this child's humanity and foreshadowed his suffering and death as saviour for the world. These have been popular interpretations of the gifts that the wise men brought. But Matthew doesn't give us any explanation why they brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. Matthew just simply gave us the facts. They knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh and presented them to him. To us, these might seem rather useless gifts, but what do you give this child, who is all-powerful God, who controls the stars to such an extent that a particularly bright star westward stops over the place where Jesus and his parents were living? When the Lord of the universe reaches down from heaven and touches the earth, condescends in love to come to us, in the flesh, as one of us. A baby come to do battle with Herod and all evenly in the world. What do you give? When we consider the, the greatness of the gifts we have been given in Christ, the wonder and majesty of it all, what can we give in return? My little offering, my tithe, my yearly pledge, seems... Seem so punny and powerless and pointless, sorry. Even the wise men with their precious gifts must have realised that their expensive gifts were hardly adequate for the child in the manger. The God who has become a human and now rests in his mother's arms. But maybe that's just the point. We, like the wise men, are simply blown away by the awesomeness of God's love that led him to becoming flesh in a little child. We fall to our knees and fumble in our purses for a gift worthy of such a gift. What have we to give? God's gift to us is just too great, too wondrous for us to find a gift worthy of them. What can we give in return? All we can do is like those men from the East, thrust forward our ever humble presence Yet at the same time, the best we can offer is a bag of gold, the fragrant gum resins of frankincense and myrrh. Maybe that's always the way it is with our gifts to God. All the gifts that we offer in worship are praise, our music and our singing. The words of our liturgy are bowing and kneeling. The words we mutter in prayer. This church building, the bricks, the glass the steel and the timber, the money we drop into the offering plates, just gold, frankincense and myrrh, small gifts in comparison to God's goodness and love towards us. All we can do is to offer God the best of what we have at the moment. This reminds me of the time later when the baby grew into adulthood, And a woman came in and extravagantly wasted a whole bottle of expensive perfume all over Jesus. The disciples cried, what a waste, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has done a beautiful thing, anointing me for my burial. Jesus is about to make extravagant gift on the cross, so accepts the woman's extravagant gift. The woman expressed her love to the Jesus in an unreserved and unrestrained way. What the woman did was wasteful. There can be no doubt about that. Like the wise men, she gave the best of what she had. They were in the presence of God who had chosen to reveal himself in a child and they opened their boxes and emptied them. They gave over everything they had. There's a story told of an old professor who visited a past student of whose first child had just been born. He presented the parents with a gift for the baby, a book, all wrapped in fine paper, tied with a bow. Imagine their surprise and bewilderment when upon unwrapping the gift, they discovered that it was a book, a very old book, leather-bound copy of Shakespeare's plays. They thought, what a strange gift for a baby. How odd, an old book written in archaic language, given to a baby who would not be able to read it for many years to come. And then they realised the gift was not the book, the gift was the giver. The old professor had given himself He had given that child the thing most precious to him, his own love of language, his admiration for Shakespeare. His gift was an expression of his deepest joy at the birth of the child, his hope for the future of this new human being. The best gifts we can offer the Christ child are the gifts of ourselves in... Sorry... um, I've lost it. The best gifts that we can offer, the Christ child, are the gifts of ourselves. In actual fact, the gold, frankincense and myrrh of the wise men are trivial and quite useless to God of all creation and the saviour of all people. He has all the gold, frankincense of myrrh he ever needs. After all, he is the creator and owner of all these gifts. But as useless as these gifts are for God, they are a sign of the way the wise men gave of themselves. We are told that they went into the house and when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped. Here are these men, learned, wealthy, wizards of the East, non-Jews and probably pagan, kneeling on the tiny toddler's feet of the true God. As they paid homage, they would have realized that even the gift of themselves is something far too small for this king of kings. What we give to our Lord may seem so trivial and modest and poor, but if they are representative of the giving of ourselves to God, this is our most important gift. Even then, this is still so small in comparison to what God has given us, nevertheless, this is the best we can give. A couple of days ago, we celebrated the beginning of the new year. As the old year ends and the new year begins, many people reassess what life is taking them and makes a new year resolution, or a promise to themselves that things will be different. This may take the form of looking for a new job, seeking to improve relationships, or determined to take a new direction. This is the third Sunday in the new year and having heard about the gifts of the wise men, I reckon this would be a good time to take another look at our response to God, who was born in a bed of hay just for us. I'm not talking about money and what we give on the offering plate, though that's part of it. I'm asking, How well have we given ourselves to God in response to this wonderful gift to us? How readily and regularly have we spent time with God in worship, in prayer, or reading his word? How readily and regularly have we given ourselves and our time to someone who needs love and compassion? How readily have we shown that this king rules in our lives by letting him make a difference when we are confused or lonely or devastated by what life has thrown up? How well have we used our gifts to do our work honestly and well? How readily have we given God, not second best, not what simply is good enough, but the best of what we have to offer? The wise men went home by another road. We too can walk a different road this year, a road where we can make the King of Kings the living, active centre of everything we are here to do. The challenge in front of each of us is to make each breathing moment a gift worth giving to the King. God gave himself to us because he loves us, May his love be reflected in our lives as we worship him with all that we have. That's our gold, frankincense and our myrrh. Amen.